0: So, welcome back again, listeners, to Come and See Inspirations. As I said, my name is John Keeley. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Father John Roach onto our Come and See Inspirations program to chat with us about his life as a priest. Father John spent many years working in a number of countries in Africa, a lot to tell us. So, Father John, thanks again for taking time out to share your story with us.
1: Uh, John, good morning, and to all your listeners, and uh, it's a joy for me to be able to share uh, with you and with them um, uh, something of my story. Um, maybe just a little bit first. I come from Athlone. Um, I was born and reared here, and I often tell people I'm a real Athlone man because my mother my mother was from Coosum, which is on the Leinster side. My father was from Clannown, which is on uh, the Connacht side. And anybody who knows Athlone uh, knows the importance of the River Shannon passing through our town. Uh, But Athlone uh, is my home. I've always felt a deep affinity to Athlone. And even though I've spent 45, 46 years in other countries, uh, coming home has always been about predominantly Athlone. Uh, It's people and uh, my friends there. Uh, We were six children in our family, um, uh, five boys and one girl, and uh, I was uh, the only boy that uh, went forward for the priesthood. I had two brothers who were uh, in the army, uh, another in the railway, another fitter turner, and uh, my good sister. Uh, Two of us, my sister and my brother Jim, have uh, passed into the fullness of God and um, we are, I would say, a very sort of united family. I was educated in Atlone by the Bauer sisters as a, an infant. We used to call them then Madame. It was Madame Tekla and Madame Austin. Uh, but they were there were really my memories of them would be very positive. They were very loving, very caring and um, a great joy for us as uh, you know, as young children. Uh, then I went to the Marist College for my uh, primary education and my secondary education. And uh, again, I would have to say predominantly these were lovely experiences. Uh, I suppose my memory goes back especially to Brother Patrick and Brother Brian. Brother Patrick was a man, I think, an educationalist before his time. Uh, he used to invite us to be imaginative and to dream dreams and to write poetry and to write song. Um, And that was sort of something at that time. And Brother Brian was the same. Um, Then I went on into secondary school. I suppose when I was in the primary school, I did think a lot about vocation to the priesthood. Uh, I was in the choir and I was a mass server. But I would have to say that when I went to secondary school, Football became very much part of my life, and uh, I really enjoy that. Uh, um, and, of course, relationships with some of the young ladies around Athlone. Uh, but my my final year in um, uh, Maris College, uh, a priest, Father Liam McSorley, came in from the society now that I am part of, St. Patrick's Missionary Society, Kiltegan And he spoke about missionary priesthood. And I suppose there was two things that came across to me, his passion about it. He was it, it seemed to me this was real for this man, and he was very passionate in what he shared about it. And I suppose the second one was the need. He spoke about the need of your know, priests and uh, uh, preachers and uh, disciples in Africa, uh, places like Nigeria and places like uh, Kenya at that time. So afterwards, actually, I went to see him and I said, I thought this was dead, but something you said has just is, has stayed with me. So that started the, the journey to... Uh, to. Just going back a
0: small little bit, Father John, um maybe just a little bit about maybe the faith in your family, you know, and, and maybe the, the faith in the general community as it was then when you were growing up. Uh
1: I would say, like that, the, the faith in the family was—it uh, was very much communitarian, but uh, it was a, a, a faith that was, I suppose, of prayer and of celebration. Um, my the rosary would have been very much of our of our daily life. And actually, in actual fact, sometimes we complained about it. We want to get out to to play football, but my father would say, "Well, let let us first kneel and." Uh, Prayer together, to, uh, the the Rosary. So that comes, you know that 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 did strike you. Here's my father kneeling, my mother kneeling, and uh, t- together the family we said the Rosary, uh, and then even our preparation for Sunday Mass or maybe the Holy Days of Obligation, uh, by th- they were prepared for. Uh, my mother would have been very very uh, strong on being punctual. I mean, there for the beginning of Mass, so. Um, that I would say we were a household of prayer. I mean, we were a household of faith. Uh, you know that whole area, Arcadia, Clumbresk, where I was going. We it was a sort of a community of faith, but it was a community of faith not just of prayer, but also of hospitality, of care for one another, and of looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. I think we would always have felt, you know, that uh, we could visit each other's houses. Uh, there was always that hospitality there, but there was also that sense that we stood up for one another. So faith was not just prayer, but it was also act, it was also solidarity, and it was also uh, protection. So it was a sort of a, a faith that I felt was lived and that was vibrant and that I was very much ha- and very happy uh, to be part of. So it was this very formative, uh, you know, in my journey of faith. And I think it's my journey of of you know of just of growth as a human person with good values and with good principles
0: beautiful memory to have and a beautiful gift to have fajan um I believe you have your, your interest in football uh, played out pretty well in the early seventies. I believe you played uh in the Atlone g a team in nineteen seventy one
1: eh uh, i did john uh I think my love, really, for for sports in general, was uh, nourished with the Baris College because um, we got to an under sixteen final in, in Leinster. Unfortunately, we were beaten, but uh, I, I I really I was quite good at football, so I I uh, I yeah, got very interested in it. Then when I went to the seminary, those days, we had good numbers. So actually, we had a very good seminary team. And I think it was during that time that uh, I was also noticed by... I, I played for the county for uh, for three years. But in uh, 1971, we won the county championship in Malangar. And um, that, I must say, for me, was a, a, a particular joy. And um, for me, it wasn't just the football itself, but uh, the friendships that... that, that, that uh, I have still with many of the the, the, the players of that time, uh, for me, f- football was, yes, the joy of engaging and the joy of trying to win and all the rest. But it was also friendship. And somehow uh, some of these uh, relationships have remained with me even up to now, like when I'm back now, in, in, there's quite a number of uh, that, that era that I would be uh, friends to the family and to the children and children. So, yes was a, a particular uh i suppose the sad part of that john is that uh we were beaten in the leinster final by Portleash by one point um to get to a leinster final is always something which is very significant and i'd have to say john uh, i hated being beaten by a point okay. I, I never never to being beaten by three or four i said well we were beaten by a Yes. But uh, to be beat my point, I uh, always say it's in the balance, you know, it's in the balance. But we got there and uh, it's a great memory to have as well.
0: And Father John, so you mentioned early on that um, when you come to around your leaving set um, and uh, you had a visit uh, to the school uh, from a religious uh, the idea again came into your mind about maybe following a vocation to priesthood. But if it wasn't for vo- if it wasn't for a vocation to the priesthood, w- would you have had any other um, uh, place in life you'd have liked to follow? Any other little trade or
1: well, uh, certainly in the area that I've always liked, actually, it was the area, area of communication. And um, actually, when we went to actually went to Kiltigham, we had an army officer called Con Sullivan who uh, brought us through speech and communication for a a number of years. But even as in secondary school, I I liked communication. So that would have been certainly one area that I was thinking of. Um, Another area uh, would have been music in general. Um, I used to say I I thought I had a reasonably good voice, and if I could have got a little good band uh, around uh, I would have certainly looked at at that. I think there would be the predominant ones. Um, apart from that, there are other things that you'd looked at, but there would be something. And I often thought like maybe acting, communication, uh, these would certainly be areas that I would have been interested in.
0: It came to the time when um, you had to decide as to which way to go. So please continue on with that story in regard to being introduced to Maybe following a vocation to priesthood.
1: Yeah, well, as I say, like this, this Father Orley came, and what really struck me about him was, as I said, and he spoke about the need. So we had a, at that time they used to say, a come and see weekend. So we went to Wicklow, um, and over the Easter weekend we were there. I suppose what struck me about was uh, that these students were were very normal. They were very welcoming. And um, I just sort of felt uh, over that weekend, I went on Friday back to home on Sunday, I said, yeah, I, I like this. I, I, I like the these people live and I like the way they relate to one another. So in actual fact, I, I came back from that more or less saying, yes. Uh, uh, and, you know, we had quite a bit of prayer during that weekend and they were sort of giving us tools about, i now I would say about discernment, you know, listening to the Lord and prayer and, i felt there was a certainly very strong tug um heart tug for me at that time saying i will not be happy unless i give this a try i will i will find joy in my life unless i give this a try and about a month a month after um returning i i signed up the form and said uh, i'm ready to join in september and that's that's what i was 65 september 65 I started what they call a spiritual year in Kiltegan. Uh, we were 32 at that time, which was numbers were up um, from all parts of the country. And uh, it was, uh, I must say, for me, a very special year because I, I just felt that um, I, I got to know the Lord in a different way. And during that, we did a 30 days retreat um, and we were in sort of introduced to meditation. And I think Jesus there became for me real became a friend and became a companion. And uh, that year I would put as a very pivotal year of my own sort of vocational story. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, as I say, yes, we family of faith, but uh, that experience of, of uh, Jesus being near me, Jesus being with me, maybe calling me to this way of life, um, stuck with me. And, uh, I was very happy with that year, and I, I I continued on from there. Experience
0: to have met Jesus in that way for that particular year, especially starting off in in a new journey in your life. Tell me, Father John, how did your family and friends react when you told them? Listen, thinking of going this,
1: um, I I have, I have to say, uh, I, my mother was a very wise woman. Um, I had two uncles who were in the Holy Ghost. And when I finished primary school, they had heard that I was interested in priesthood, which I was at that time, and wanted me to come to Black Rock. And, of course, Black Rock was a, a very significant, if not famous, college at that time. And I was absolutely convinced. I was, you know, they said, no problem, we'll get you a place here. And I went home. and I told my mother, um, and she said, no, you're not going. She said, you will stay here in the house with us. Until you complete your secondary school, if you want to go, then you go with my blessing. So when I told her um, that I was, I, would, I had decided I wanted to go to Kultegan, uh, Both her and my father gave me their blessing. They were they were ha The felt it was a mature decision, and that I had given a time, even though I was only seventeen years old. So uh, maturity is, uh, I don't think it comes to seventeen years either, but they honoured, they honoured my decision. Yeah. Um, I think fellows, some of the fellows in my school would have, would have been a lot of proud that I was sort of going to the pre. I was, I, I, yes, I was the only one in our class in in Marist College who went. Others felt this was, yeah, this was ridiculous. And uh, some of my lady friends said, "Oh, this is a waste of your life." Uh, and uh, I, I said, "Well." You know, uh, that's my decision at the moment. And uh, we'll see how it evolves in the coming years. So it was that sort of combination. Some, um, But my family, I think, would have been very, very supportive of it. Certainly my parents, because they felt I had it had matured in me in different ways. Um, and people at home, yes, generally there were sort of there were. They were happy with it. Uh, Some questioned it as, you know, at at that time, uh, whether that was a life that would allow me to blossom and to mature well in my life. Um, But I think the majority would have been happy and supportive. And certainly in my journey in the seminary, I found people at home and in a throne uh, very supportive and uh, very affirming.
0: During, during that time, Father John, were you allowed to keep in contact with home during that first year away?
1: No, John. We had uh, uh, for the first three months uh, we had we had no contact at all with home. Um, but uh, coming into the new year, it was that sort. Of, things were starting to change in seminary life. Uh, They're becoming more open up to that. It was very closed. You were sort of, you were taken out of the world, and you were placed in this uh, sort of rarefied atmosphere, if you wanted to put it, for a year. But um, the eldest of us, Tony, was married in um, February '66, and um, I got out for I was allowed out for that, which was sort of a break in tradition. But uh, so I was. I was sort of a part of a new thinking about uh, seminary training and when it was becoming more open. And I would have found that later on, like in in uh, philosophy and in theology, um, there was a lot of movement in and out. Uh, but for that first year, uh, that was the one uh, the, the one occasion we, we we got out and I was delighted to be with my no, the elder. He was the first of us to get married, so it was a lovely family occasion, and John was there, and I was very happy to be there.
0: And Father John, what was daily life? What was it a typical day like in that first year?
1: Um, we we rose quite early, uh, like we were introduced. To things. I though I said, "Sort of, I came from a sort of a faith house." Things like meditation. Uh, uh, we didn't know much about so we were introduced to that fairly early so the the early morning would have would have been um uh, prayer uh, private prayer community prayer ending up with uh with mass um and that would have started maybe around six o'clock so it would have been six to 7.30, around that we'd have that then we'd have breakfast then we had classes in the morning um, They could have been uh, scripture on, on uh, introduction to to the Bible, introduction to the New Testament, uh, some areas around morality, uh, constitutions of our own society that I would say I want to be part of, um, and uh, you know, there was t- topical sort of issues um, as well that were dis- that were discussed. So most of that morning would have been, um, let's say, in a, a fairly sort of Relaxed class atmosphere. Uh, then in the afternoon, we'd we'd have midday prayer and lunch. The afternoon we generally had it was either manual work or sports. We were certainly manual work. Kiltegan has beautiful grounds, so we were expected not only expected, but there was a certain, there was a pressure. I think the, those in charge saw manual work as being a formative, a formative sort of exercise. In not only in using, you know, your body and things like that, but in people coming together, working together, and I thought that is important for, you know, for the future as well. Because, um, you know, the priest is not a, an island. We work together as teams wherever we are. So the, they encouraged that. And, of course, football then was, uh, well, sports in general, whether it was tennis. Some some men who didn't like the football played croaky. But uh, at least at least for two, um, two evenings a week, we would have, maybe it was three, at we'd have some sort of sporting activity. Uh, so uh, then in the evening, we would have, Evening prayer meal, and we generally had time for some sort of study in the evening. Whether that was what to come up during the day, um, and we generally went to bed quite early because there was no telly at that stage. That w- that came in uh, later on, and we had no radios. Actually, we weren't supposed to have radios. Though I would have to say, John, some of us had little radios hidden under the pa- under under the the, the pillow. But uh, it was sort of still quite a bit of cut off from from the world. But I think those the men who were sort of guiding us were made sure too that uh, we were in touch with what was happening.
0: And so this for after this first year, Father, was this the time when somebody made a decision? Yeah, okay. Got some idea about what this is all about, and now I'm going to go further. that the idea. Uh,
1: Yes, ab- uh, for for all of us, actually, at the end of that first year, we had um, <clears throat> we met with with those who were guiding us and accompanying us, and uh, we were invited ourselves, like to really look at what has this year been like for you. How would you think are the positives and the negatives in regard to you, and do you think that you know, that you want to continue this? So it was ours first, you know, for. If you want to put personal sort of discernment, personal sort of looking at, do I really want this? And then they would give to the feedback to us. So I felt at the end of the year, um, it was a good year for me. I enjoyed it. Um, As I said, I felt that Jesus became somehow real for me. And I wanted to continue. And uh, that was supported by. The, the views of the two men who were uh, in charge of, predominantly in charge of accompanying us, they said, Yes, I, we think you have what it takes uh, to be a priest and to be a missionary priest. So that sort of combination, my own listening to the spirit and the spirit coming from those who were accompanying me, convinced me that, yes, I wanted to continue.
0: And some might think, well, at, at that young age, you know, it might be a little bit. Um I' don't know should have use the word immature, but thinking about you know this is a major decision am i am I capable and mature enough to make this this decision you
1: know, I think at that stage maybe i I was maybe just eighteen going on nineteen mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean it's you could say in one sense it is you, know, but I was also aware that look, this is not going to be the final decision, yeah, like okay. there would be yeah. other decisions like I'm going down now to to study philosophy. Um, out of our 32, I think at that time there was only. Two, so there was a sort of a community, sort of solidarity in, in a, a decision, which was challenged very much when we got into philosophy, because a lot of uh, my brothers in that class, a lot started leaving in 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 philosophy. Um, so while it you could say it was an immature decision, well, it, certainly uh, it wasn't the fullness of maturity. Uh, But I did know that there was still a journey ahead. It was still five, six years ahead of me. So I look at that again. And um, I was aware that people would have said, you know, philosophy brings up a a lot of sort of inner thinking about life and things like that. So um, I think, yeah, you have to make a decision anyway. But I was happy enough to make it and say, well, uh, this is not the final, final decision.
0: But what I did hear you say, um, Father, early on there, and I think you said it twice so far, that Jesus became real for me, and I think that must have been a great source of encouragement for you as well, because you wanted to keep on following on.
1: Yeah, I would say, John, like that for me, yeah, sorry, uh, uh, like though I was a person and brought up in a family of faith, um, ritual was important and the prayers were important, but I think we we sort of missed something about the centrality of the person of Christ. And, and uh, you know, somehow in that first year in prayer, as I said to you, we had a 30 days retreat, which was, uh, it's based on St.
0: Saint- Ignatius.
1: And I mean, there were moments in that retreat when I, I would have to say, uh, I experienced the love of Christ, the presence of Christ. And uh like somehow as i say he became flesh and blood that uh, that uh, it wasn't just a pine let's say he was a a man who journeyed in life Uh, he was he had a vision he had a dream and he lived it out uh, and he had courage so i i felt at that time that jesus was becoming that sort of at least for me i felt yes i can relate to this man and i can relate to his vision Uh, I knew that I would have to be refined a lot during my future life. But at that time, it wasn't just about ritual. It wasn't just about going to Mass, but it was also about being in relationship. And relationship, for me, was important.
0: So this time in seminary, how many years did you say, Father, after this this initial year, did you spend
1: in seminary? Well, altogether we did seven years.
0: Seven years in total. Um, can you remember any particular moment during that time when you say, yep, yeah, this is it now, I definitely want to follow this way of life?
1: I, I, I would say, John, firstly, there was two very, I think, very challenging things. Um, our first year of philosophy in Cork, um, we, d- we did very well with regard to you know, people staying, people leaving, but our second year, I think we lost, I think seven of our classmates, seven or eight, left the seminary. And they sort of shared with us, you know, why they were leaving. So, like, I I felt very challenged. I felt very challenged to look at my own choice. And this was really, uh, you know, what I wanted. Um, And I thought I came back again and again to that saying, yeah, at a deeper level, at, at the heart level, this is what I want anyway for now and I'll see and I think that, uh, that was one of the sort of, I'd say, pivotal moments. Another one came in, in um, Second Theology, which meant I was more or less uh, about two years from ordination. And uh, at that time, I was playing ball. Nearly every weekend, I was out. We had a very good college team. Uh, westmead were doing quite well at that time, and the club was doing well. So nearly every Sunday, I was out. I was in Fermanagh, I was in Mullingar, I was in Carlo, wherever it was. And I I just found half the time on Monday morning, I was either sleeping at prayer or I was sleeping at lectures and I started saying, no, this isn't for me. So I went actually to see one of our priests uh, who was guiding us. And I said, uh, I'm whatever, I'm six years in the seminary. But I said, I really think maybe now this isn't for me. Uh, I think the Lord sort of said it's not. And he said something to me, he said, John, he said, I'm not sure that this is the right decision, but could I ask you to do one thing? he said, will you stop going out, stop playing so much football for a month? And if you come back and say to me then that you want to leave, I will honor it. But I," he says, I, I said, I think there are other factors he so I, I I said okay I will, and I didn't find it easy, John, to stop playing football for mm-hmm. uh, for a month because if you're playing with the county and you're playing with your club, people know you want. There's a certain amount of you know pride and all of that, but I did I did that. I just sort of said I won't. I'll sort of give this my attention now for for the next month, and during that time it became very clear to me again that no, this is where I want, and this is where I want to be, and this is what I want to do with my life. So after the month, I went back. Um, you're right and thank you for your wisdom in guiding me to that
0: and so two years after that it came around the time for you to be ordained a priest, when was that Father?
1: I was I was ordained uh, 1972 on the 4th of June in Killimote which is a little uh, parish church uh, near uh, Kiltigal, uh, at that time we were just we, we could only invite let's say fifty members of the family um but i my sort of my abiding memory of it would be I, I just felt overawed by by the whole experience um it was beautiful to have the family around but um there was something about that movement for me movement from being i was a deacon at that time mm-hmm. you know, I, I suppose blessing my mother blessing my family. Uh, blessing my friends was for me a profound moment and um, that that has always stayed with me you know uh, uh, to be able to be somehow a channel of blessing a channel of fullness and a channel of joy for others and like to me it was this is what jesus was about in his life so uh there was a sort of sense of being humbled by and by the ministry and humbled by the calling to be a source of blessing and of joy and, and of healing for others so um we went home that evening and then the following day i had my first mass in a throne and i i do remember something that's funny uh, i remember in my homily sort of saying you know that uh, I, I i am i am and um, the fruit of your presence and of your love and of your accompaniment i was very conscious Somehow I was an expression of of uh, of their faith mm-hmm. and of their commitment to God, and to the church, and to the mission. And um, it uh, it was just it was a uh, it was a beautiful occasion. And uh, it's funny about your family and friends. But uh, uh, when some of the footballers came up after you know, my, looking for my blessing, and some of them were very hard. They were really tough footballers, you know. And they kneeling down in front of me and sort of saying bowing their heads, and, uh, that touched me very deeply. And I was in one way it has never, never left me a sort of a, um, that. I, I think it's a sort of a, that humility and somehow humility in a good sense that I was, but he's the these are football with me, hit each other on the football field. Mm-hmm. And yet here we were, uh, you know, being blessing to one another. And uh, so it was a, an abundantly joyful occasion
0: and i i must say i was, i was just touched there by that by that expression you use you were being used as a channel and so there, therefore those those football friends of yours who were coming up for a blessing you would have been a channel of the of a blessing from god to them beautiful beautiful way to expect it
1: yeah i i would have been very conscious of that and i you know i think throughout my missionary life uh, that's a sort of an image that has has remained with me we are to be channels of as, as priests and as Christians, to be channels of love and channels of blessing and, you know, channels of hope for others. And I I I think I have tried to live my missionary life and my my priestly life as well.
0: Beautiful. So now you're ordained. You're ordained a priest. Time to get some work done. What was your first assignment? Mm-hmm. What was your, your first assignment, Father John? And where were you?
1: Uh, I'd have to tell you, John, it was after Vatican II, so they were talking about, you know, that there'd be dialogue with regard to our appointments. Um, so I went down to uh, uh, the, the day and he asked me, where would you like to go to? And I said, I'd love to go to Brazil, because at that time Brazil was uh, I was very much into uh, human rights, the whole area of justice had been an integral part of ministry. It seemed to me to be a very, very vibrant place. So I said, um, I'd love to go to Brazil. And he said, hmm, what about Malawi? And uh, we had, we had we'd only been about two years in Malawi, uh, which is in Central Africa. And we didn't mm. know that much about it, to be honest. So I said, well, I want to just hold on to this for a yeah, while. Yeah, OK. But I said, I would really would love to go to Brazil. And then he said, we would like you to go to Malawi. So I said, uh, I said at that stage, I said, oh, I go to Malawi, I'm happy to go to Malawi. Um, and, and as I say, I didn't know very much about Malawi. So um, I started reading a bit about Malawi. It was formerly in Nyasaland um, and I was hoping to get out there, maybe. And this was, was uh, middle of June, 72. I was hoping to get out there, but my permit for, for Malawi was delayed. And I eventually got there in October, uh, 1972.
0: And so, Father John, um, when you arrived in Malawi, was it as the as the book had said that you been reading about, or was it something different?
1: Well, I, I'd have to say, John. Like, firstly, I was very keen to get out. I sort of felt I've I've, I've spent all I'm t- nearly I'm 25. I spent all my life studying and with books and all. I said. Really, I I want to get out. Mm. I just I want to get I want to get to get stuck in. Yeah. Uh, so I was very happy to go to to, to Malawi. Uh, I went to Kenya on the way. At that time, there was no direct flight, so we spent uh, four of my classmates were going to Kenya, so I spent a week or two with them, and I I found Kenya just an utterly stunning. The beauty of Kenya and the jacaranda trees. I said, "Wow! If this is Africa, uh, I'm I'm in a very beautiful place." uh then after about a week there, I went down to Malawi. The first thing that struck me was the heat. I arrived about 10 o'clock at night and I always put it down. I felt as if I was walking into a wall of heat. Um, so I spent the night, the first night in a place called Blantyre, which was the old capital. And then the following day, I went up on a small six seater to Mzuzu, which is in the north of, of, of the country. And... Um, when I arrived at this small Airport there, the, like the dust was flying, and uh, I said, "Wow, this this this, this place isn't uh, certainly isn't isn't urban," uh, but just delighted to be there. And I was met then by the Vicar General of the Diocese of Mzuzu, who actually in fact was a missionary of Africa, a white father, uh, from Cork originally from Cork, and uh, he brought me over to the Bishop's house, and I met the Bishop there, who was a French-Canadian Jean-Louis Jobidon um, and he was so welcoming and he was getting me tea and uh, uh, making sure my room uh, there was something about the simplicity of the man that I've never, I have never lost you know and uh, he was my bishop for nearly 20 years but uh, as a bishop he was just so simple so welcoming and um just a lovely human being and uh i sort of felt well you know the bishop is here and then the, in the fo- days afterwards i started just visiting around and there were a group of mmms from from ireland who were running the hospital so it was lovely to have that connection with them you know um you could go for your tea and scones in the afternoon and you could talk a, talk a little bit about irish and about ireland and it sort of gave you a bit of sort of sense well you know, it's not totally different. I have friends here, I have people here. Um, so that was that was very nice. But then the bishop called me and he gave me two books. He said, now you have to get the language. And uh, I said to him, oh, I really don't want books anymore. But uh, he said, uh, you know, we have to get the language and language is essential here. And he said, for the next four months, you'll be learning language and orientation to culture and to the life of Malawi. And um, John, to be honest, wisdom of that was something I will always treasure. Uh, Chitumbuka was the language of of the north of Malawi. And having that time, there was a priest, uh, he's a Belgian priest who was guiding us, uh, gave his classes every day. What we did was basically about six weeks, we attended classes. Then we were sent out to a village for about a month uh, where we lived with the with the villagers. And, uh, you know, we really had, we were sort of in a way we were immersed. In, and then we came back for about another month uh, into a sort of a, let's say, a semi-academic sort of situation. But by the end of three months, I had a good grasp of this language. And I was, uh, you know, I, I was very pleased. I really was very, uh, I, I, I studied. F- French and um, in in secondary school and I didn't think I was particularly gifted with languages but uh, I got Chitambuca very well and over the years people would have said that I spoke it very well so I would have that time of orientation that is the focus I had no pastoral commitments this was your commitment to get the language to get to know the culture Mm -hmm. and to get to know the sort of the, the mind and the heart behind the language and what the language expresses. And the language of, of uh, the culture of Malawi was very different in some ways to the culture of Ireland. So I had to open myself to that and to really uh, try to come to know it and to respect it, because I think as a missionary priest, we have to respect the culture and the language of the people that we are sent to. Uh,
0: and so, Father, um, this took about three or four months, say so about four months.
1: Yeah, it was, certainly it was four months, you know, that uh, we had that. Uh, Then the bishop, being a very wise man, he said, uh, you take a little break. So he gave us a, a little, an old beetle. There was two of us, actually. Um. Uh, Father Tom since died, God rest him. Uh, so he gave us a beetle. He said, Go around and see a bit of Malawi because we hadn't seen anything of Malawi up to that. But that was, in actual fact, part of our orientation. It has also um, the third largest lake in, in Africa. And um, it's, it's it's just it's a beautiful setting. And uh, we spent a few days at the lake and swimming there in the, the lukewarm waters of Lake Malawi. And, um, you know, Malawi has a lot of beauty. Um, from the south of Malawi, it's about 200 feet below sea level. The very far far point of Malawi in the north is about 8,500 feet above sea. So you have all the variety of fauna and of, of scenery there. So we had two weeks um, and we, we we enjoyed it very much. And then uh, I got my appointment, uh, which was to the biggest parish in the diocese, uh, Holy Cross Parish in Kemenya. And it was sort of, maybe we would have had around Thirty thousand Catholics, and a lot who would have been, um, you know, catechumen, to be received into the church. There was three of us. Three of us who were um, there were two Dutchmen, m- members of the Missionaries of Africa, uh, and myself. So I was also introduced very quickly to a sort of a an international ministry. I was, not for my first seven years in Malawi, I didn't work with any Irish priest. I worked with continental priests predominantly. Uh, Well, sorry, kind of European priest, predominantly of the society, the White Fathers. And I would always look on as being a very important time because uh, uh, it's helped me to sort of be open to to, to new models of church, new ways of being, and uh, to look at ministry in a broader sort of sense. Um, So I was very happy. It was a very challenging place. Uh, We covered about 80 miles. Uh, the three of us covered about 80 miles from the center from Enkemenia parish itself and every weekend we went out to these stations and um, we we anointed the sick we brought uh, communion to the sick uh, of course we had mass with the people we had the catechumens to prepare uh, but i tell you you were definitely um you were you were challenged it was a very uh, very full-time and of course then you were involved as well with um, sort of what you might put it as development work uh, building churches getting uh, medical centers at least some dispensaries and we were we were generally involved in 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 a lot of that and sometimes you could end up too John has just been a, a taxi driver or Driving people to the hospital, there was no vehicles at all at that stage. Uh, the priest, I did my first few years on a motorbike, uh, which in a way like uh, gave you great freedom. You could go through the bush roads and everything, and uh, uh, you didn't have to worry about you know people looking for lifts and things like that for about 3 years I got a, I got a pick up cause uh, we needed one so at times you were you were an ambulance driver at times you were a hearse driver but it didn't matter that was that was all part of the life of the people and therefore it was part of my life and um I was happy when when we could provide that service as well so it was a very challenging time even physically like I was very young um 26 27 at that time But I tell you, when you're covering that sort of distance and you had that. But I think what the outstanding thing for me, John, about all of that would be the lay involvement. Uh, You know, we would not have. We were only three priests and uh, we would not have been able to. And we shouldn't have even done it, but certainly we would not have been able to uh, be present. Uh, and do all the things we would want to have done without the great involvement of the laity. It was one of the things that struck me very much from the very beginning when I went out. I was sort of saying, I was thinking, gosh, we have so many wonderful faith people in Ireland, and yet I don't see them very much involved in the church. So we, like we had catechists, we had lay leaders, we were people who were forming children for First Holy Communion, who were accompanying young men and women who were preparing for marriage. We had funeral ministries. The, the whole area there was, was covered. And in actual fact, my first diocese, the number one priority for the first the five years that I was there was lay leadership training. And the bishop and his council, and that they put great emphasis on that. And I'm talking about 1970. This is 1972, 1973. And I I wrote a letter to my mother actually once, saying to her, you know, I thought I was coming from a first world church to a third world church, and I said, I'm not sure that that's right. Somehow, the the church that I find here is, I think, much clearer, much nearer to the the church of Acts 2, uh, church as community, and the church that maybe Vatican two put before us. Uh, and that we are together the church. And that like I as a priest, I have a ministry, but you as a, uh, a baptized member of this church, you have your ministry. And it's, it's as much your community, your church as it is mine. And I found that throughout my time in Malawi and generally in Africa, Um, the lay involvement has been wonderful um, and has I think it's just enhanced the church so much
0: So that was part one of a three part interview with Father John Roach a Categan priest from Atlone telling us of his faith journey to priesthood. Next week Father John continues his story of his work in Malawi, including challenging the treatment of Catholics there To finish the programme today, Father John's suggestion for a piece of music was be still to know that I'm God so please join us again next week in the meantime, God bless now and stay safe, bye